That's a that's actually a good place to start. You mentioned when we were first talking about doing an episode that you um, you said something along the lines of like other Seinfeld pages like coming to you like clout chasing or something like that. The fuckers. Well, so it's like um, I mean, I guess like yes and no because there's like a lot. There's so many Seinfeld accounts at this point, mm-hmm. um, and like I would say half of them are funny. And a lot of the ones that, you know, I don't like to give myself this much credit, but I feel like I did start somewhat of a, a wave of, like, more terminally online Seinfeld meme accounts as well yeah. as, like, communist-adjacent mm-hmm. meme so that accounts that are, like, Seinfeld-related. Um, but, I mean, it's, like, anytime I'm happy to, like, follow any Seinfeld account, really. I guess, like, my gripe with some of the accounts is that, like, you know, Seinfeld is like one of the most popular shows of all time, mm-hmm. and like more people don't need to know about it. And so many Seinfeld accounts are like just like the memes are, you know, hey, wouldn't it be great if we were watching Seinfeld right now? It's like <laughs> you don't need to do like free advertising. What if for... Jerry get I- iPad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like you know that shit. Like you know, it's always funny to like see those memes pop up occasionally mm-hmm. in like twenty in the twenty twenties. But, um, yeah, I guess, like, that's my, like, gripe, like, you know, if you're making, like, original stuff that, like, deals with the show in, like, some subversive way, yeah. or if, like, you talk shit on the show at all, it's, like, awesome, but mm-hmm. the Seinfeld meme accounts are just, like, I love Seinfeld, and I want to, like, meme about Seinfeld, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, what are you, what are you <laughs> in this for, that. exactly, like, they, yeah, that's exactly. kind of, we've sort of examined our approach to, like, because, okay, we have a movie meme page, and, and it, mm-hmm. ipso facto a movie podcast, but it's, like, Okay, it's that, but in a certain online niche with a certain political bent to it that I think we sort of identified exists in your page, and that's why we wanted to have you on in the first place because it's like, okay, yeah, it's a Seinfeld meme page, but there's a little more, I think, uh, in common to that end, right? And plus, like, you know, go ahead. Well, also, like, with your page, and I think, like, with my page as well, it's like, you know, we're, like, memeing about things that we, we all love, but at the same time, we're also like poking a lot of fun at it. Yeah, you know, where exactly. it's like Vincent Gallo, especially. It's like, you know, I love <laughs> Vincent Gallo, but also it's like making fun of Vincent Gallo uh-huh. is just as good as, you know, the Vincent Gallo product. The, uh, one of the best compliments I think that we've ever got in like our DMs, because we get a whole range of people being like, oh boy, do we. Um, Oh, I f- you know we get we get a whole range of people from being who like think it's a very like earnest like tribute to Vincent Gallo mm-hmm. to people who don't know who it is you know all across to the sometimes board. Sometimes people but- off their meds who think we are. Vincent Gallo. <laughs> yeah, we've, no. we've got a few of those. There was a woman, yeah, who was DMing us for like two months straight, like yeah. dozens of of messages a day unanswered, like thinking we were Vincent Gallo. She stopped uh, randomly, and I assume she got better. So yeah. <laughs> the best one we ever received was someone that said like your page like perfectly deals with the legacy of Vincent Gallo. And that's the way I feel about yeah. your page as well. Is like it, it deals with the legacy of Jerry Seinfeld in a way that is like, yeah, Seinfeld was like, I think very essential to like me growing up and also my development of yeah. sense of humor as someone who grew up like without cable and without access to a lot of like culture and especially like comedy outside of like, you know, the cartoons they played on like the five non-cable stations you got. But then also growing up and realize like what an insane monster like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's an it's insane. And a lot of people think that like you know because Michael Richards had like the racist nervous breakdown 
that like he's the worst guy, and it's like no, Seinfeld is like <laughs> the worst. Yeah, person. right. His bubbles beneath the surface more often than not, you know, in a more sinister yeah. way. I think. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld trying to like run cover for Michael Richards, like basically like doing uh, his apology for him. <laughs> it's so oh, insane. Yeah. That was so, and you know, on Letterman, which you know, I, I think I like watched that live, uh-huh. and I just remember being like so awkward, especially when the crowd starts like awkwardly laughing yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we are on a coffee show right That's we're watching true. a guy being earnest for the first time no for the second time the first time <laughs> <laughs> the first time we ever saw michael richards be earnest was when he said the n-word and right. the second time was him apologized for it like and neither of those were venues do? for earnestness like <laughs> right. remotely you know so and that's that's the funny thing about talk shows in general is like it, the, you, people are just so trained, like keyed up to laugh at whatever. So it's, I don't know who thought that'd be a good idea. I guess you gotta do something. Seinfeld, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and probably. also with like Letterman, who like was truly like the king of like, you know, removing all sincerity from, you know, like the messaging. It's yeah. like no matter who he had on, he was still gonna like kind of poke fun at them, act like they weren't very special to begin with, which was like the beauty of it, but. You know, you can't then in turn just turn around and be like, okay, we're, like, we're going to hold something sacred for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. But to, heart, to yeah. go back to uh, the messages thing, I think I even sent you, but I got I shared one of your memes at some point, and um, it wasn't even like a Vincent Gallo meme, but like some somebody like was in my DMs, like, Vincent Gallo is a fascist, you know, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, this isn't vincent gallo's page <laughs> right this is yeah, he, he doesn't financially benefit from the shares you know right yeah and i think we, we probably spend as much if not more time like absolutely like making fun yeah, of him if idiot. not like you know ironically celebrating what a clown he is absolutely um and that, that's what's that, fun about it's it. amazing that some people still walk in like confused about it right yeah i mean and i just think so many people have a have a hard time not only separating the art from the artist, because like you know, I think we've we've hashed that out enough times on the show already. But just like entertaining the possibility that that's a thing a person could do, and like split yeah. that atom in a way that like doesn't result in a nuclear like mushroom cloud. And yeah. and that, you know, again, that's what I think what we appreciate about your page is that you do such a good job of that. And and Jerry Seinfeld, as we will get to shortly is is very rife for that sort of thing on just like every single level imaginable you know because i think he really is a very brilliant comedian comic mind but also a fucking psychopath yeah why don't you share your your theory on him (laughs) i have a lot of i have long held theories about him and this is in case you didn't know hot off the tails of our uh discussion with nick Vysotsky about program to kill oh yeah yeah and serial killers and mk ultra (laughs) and all those all that good stuff so i think jerry seinfeld inhabits that like mindset almost um like he so he he's a sociopath and i think larry david deserves a nobel peace prize specifically for getting him off the streets and rich and a millionaire and not only that but like a busy millionaire who was too busy like driving yeah. cars and doing his sitcom to murder women and hide their bodies in his crawl space, basically. So oh, I think we owe Larry David a, a debt of gratitude for that specifically. And and the and fact I mean, that we only have one, like you know, other than him being like an IDF super soldier, the fact that the only <laughs> other like Seinfeld scandal is like the sh- dating Shoshana, which is like yeah. fucked up. 
but also it's like you know not like the worst thing you can do in the world especially dating is better than killing it's her, pretty yes. nothing yeah 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 it's like you know it's not like roman polanski levels of like weird shit um, <laughs> yeah exactly and i think that's because well, he never like, experienced that like, kind of like like career like he never it, it, there were no bumps on his road you know what i mean like once no. like i i like in preparation for this episode was looking at his imdb page and his wikipedia page for like other things he was involved in and it just there aren't any really like he did an hbo special he was on a couple sitcoms like as yeah. little bit parts and i understand he got kicked off of benson or whatever the fuck that show is but other than <laughs> that it was like it it just he <laughs> they kind of like rolled out the red carpet for him in a way um which so another know, like Another really weird thing about this, and I forget what Seinfeld interview it was in, but basically he said that, like, he's never really had a show where he just fucking bombed. Like, uh -huh. since uh -huh. the beginning of his stand-up days, he's always, like, you know, at least been clever yeah. enough, but, like, most importantly, like, played it safe enough, where, you know, he <laughs> right. said he's had some, like, bad shows that, like, didn't go over so well, but he's, like, never really had the comedian moment where it's just, like, you absolutely fucking bomb. And it's like a horrible show beyond just the crowd being bad. It's like your jokes are bad. It's like yeah. the fact that he, or at least, you know, he won't admit to it, but that's like another, either like, you know, you've been playing it safe for so long and just like lucking out or like, mm -hmm. you know, that sociopath inside your brain is just like, no, you've never had a bad show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's the, the feedback loop is such that yes, like the, the faulty like acid tablets that they tried to impale him with like only worked halfway so that now he can make these mundane but incisive observations <laughs> and yeah. the fact that people just eat that shit up because just large swaths of the population in the 90s were just kind of looking for some sort of like panacea like like sugar pill after you know the neoliberal consensus was formed and not only that, but it, I think it plays very well with this idea that, like, okay, Seinfeld is a show about nothing and a show about awful people, and people watch it and they assume it's an exaggerated form of awful, like, inhumanity. And I think that is true yeah. for everybody in the show except for Jerry Seinfeld because, yeah, <laughs> like, it, all this shit about how he's like a psychopathic germaphobe and like hypochondriac and is always willing to like sacrifice personal relationships in the show for like the the greater end like that the end to to the end of like his own weird like psycho shit i just buy that it for him as like a a guy you know what i mean and everybody on tv oh, is on, laughing or like watching tv is like ah oh, jerry's what a crazy guy and it yeah. just i just think there's something in his head ticking like insanely and um it, it shit it makes me laugh i'll, I'll give him that it is funny. Well, something that I rewatched after after watching B movie for the first time was uh so there's the the bit where there's B Larry King in the movie. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I <laughs> one very weird. Um, but two, I forgot about the uh, Larry King interview that Jerry Seinfeld did where he's like really oh, insulted right. the finale. <laughs> yeah, you showed <laughs> me that. Where he's like he's very insulted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is it's like it is scary. <laughs> it's, uh -huh. like, it's like that's the first time you see like Jerry show like genuine emotional like strife. Yes. Uh-huh. Just him being like, you know, what do you mean you don't know? There were 75, you know, million people watching. It's like calm <laughs> yeah. down. And even right. Larry King is like all right, Tiger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's and that's something like I want, once you see that in him, every single interview he does where he's just where he's not allowed to just go off on his like pre-recorded like like serial murder like killing spree uh -huh. joke fest is yeah. like 
he he is that uncomfortable, like no matter the stakes. Like I I guess with the Larry King thing, it's more personal and he gets a little upset and fuck, I don't know, maybe justifiably so. But like I saw this Brian Williams interview and Brian Williams was basically asking him like, hey, why coffee? And he just couldn't compete. It like didn't compete. He was like, I don't know. I like coffee. What are you? I'm a comedian. And it's just like he just looks so uncomfortable and like. There were just springs and cogs like firing off in his brain and like he was just short circuiting, like like just thinking just just yearning to get back to his mansion on like Long Island and like drowning <laughs> oh, puppies yeah. or whatever he does to blow off steam or something. Like it's just well, and it's like you know, you any anybody on. that like gets to like his level of like wealth and like fame, it's like obviously you're gonna be like super out of touch. Right. But somehow, you know, the other cast members either like are keen enough to like, you know, rein that shit in or they have like really good publicists that are like hey before you tweet anything or like go on this like we're gonna prime you mm-hmm. seinfeld's the only one where it's like and especially because there was a point where when he was doing specials like maybe 10 years ago or like you know less 10 years ago every joke was like my daughter's a feminist you know what what the hell does that <laughs> crazy mean? Like, you know, these kids are they are they get offended too easily and they like uh-huh. soy milk it's like <laughs> Yeah. yeah, comedians in cars drinking bang energy. <laughs> and you know, I mean, as long as we're on the subject, I kind of like that show. I'm not gonna lie. I I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> really? I'm like this. Yeah, nothing about it appeals to me. See, uh, the whole nothing about top it, top to bottom. Just the fact that it is so neatly packaged in a like a way that I think is his kind of trademark late career. I don't give a shitness is appealing to me. And frankly, as two guys who have a podcast, the idea that somebody would want to pay me money to just have interesting conversations with my friends who are also wealthy, interesting people, like, that's what we're all in it for. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't really know shit about cars, but... I changed my mind. I'm editing this episode so I can cut that. (laughs) Well, I think that, like, so it's also weird, the position I'm in is because, like, I love Seinfeld, like, the entity. And, you know, because it, like has meant so much to me and, like, helped me with, like, my personal development, my, like, sense of humor. Yeah. Being, like, a lonely person generally, but, like, always feeling like I just put Seinfeld on the background and have, like, four friends that are, like, just as jaded as me. Yeah, kind right. of, like, on all the time. Right. But I've watched probably, like, four episodes of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And it was mm-hmm. only because I was, like, you know, I think, like, I really want to see what Todd Barry has to say or... Sure. You know, Bill Burr. Yeah, like you, you find the guest yeah, you're interested in. It's not just yeah. a binge watch. However, right. every time I watch it, it's like fucking painful to get through. <laughs> for me. It's because I do have some level of like, you know, even with like comedians that I love that are, you know, because I don't love Jerry Seinfeld, obviously, but, yeah, you know, it gets to a point where it's like, even though I still love Larry David, I can't even watch the new episodes of Curb Enthusiasm because it's just like, I just don't fucking care. Yeah. You know? See, I was I never really don't care about anyway. your perspective anymore. Yeah, which is hard to, I don't know, except for myself. But I don't know. I haven't right. been able to. I mean, it's, keep it's up. one thing if you're like if you have four friends in the background who are like conceivably having similar problems to you as like a guy in his 30s in a city somewhere. You know, it's another yeah. thing if it's like oh fucking Larry David and his his big fucking like Hollywood Coke party or whatever the hell he is. Like oh the valet <laughs> guy was a dick to him. It's like well I I'm a little too removed from this now. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah. Um. What about, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, just one last thing about on comedians and cars getting coffee. Like I, I, it is very clearly like produced, you know, like I remember 
one of the episodes, it's like um, uh, Mel Brooks, and they call him up, and he's like, oh, it's the perfect time. Come by to get some coffee or whatever. And uh, Or maybe it's Carl Reiner. I don't know. One of the two. And um, so, like, obviously, it's very canned, and everything is, is hyper-produced. But I do think you land on a few of them, like Larry David, or, like, like I think he genuinely has a friendship with Chris Rock. You know what I mean? Like, I think they oh, finish yeah. recording you know, whatever they're shoot, or shooting that day. And then I, I, I buy them going out for a coffee or something. Right. You can see it in that scene in B movie on the windshield. They're just, <laughs> they're vibing together. Oh yeah. And it is just quality <laughs> material top to bottom. And, and as, as you remarked yeah. earlier, uh, kids probably ate that shit <laughs> and we'll get to that. But I think like uh, an interesting thing about Chris Rock, now that I think about it is apparently a couple years ago, he came out as he was diagnosed with like, what what a is it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I thought um, you were going to say he gave uh, Louis C.K. the N-word pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has like nonverbal communication like disorder or something. Like he like medically cannot pick up on social cues. Chris Rock. Right? Chris Rock. Yeah. So he's like guy. all of our followers. Yeah, <laughs> right. So first of all, that's perfect. But second of all, I could not pick a better friend for Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> than a guy like that. And you read all these interviews about how he's just like, I don't know, I'm just very uncomfortable around people other than comedians. Like, I, I don't know how to communicate with, with, with people who also don't kind of gird themselves to get out in front of a crowd and just like, like mow them down with verbal bullets and then get off the stage and just like turn into another per human again. Like just this very like, like T2 kind of existence almost. Um, so, so, so seeing a little bit of that under the hood, I could appreciate, although I like, when, when it's a guy I've never heard of, I'm like, all right, get this shit off my fucking TV. I don't care. Well, also, like, yeah, like the fact that, you know, Larry David and like Seinfeld and like Chris Rock and Seinfeld, and I'm sure a few other people that have been on those episodes that I haven't watched, it's like, yeah. Or even like what I imagine the one with like Jason Alexander is, it's like, uh-huh. even if they're not like best friends, you know, they have such a long working relationship that like, yeah, you know, there's a history there. That's undeniable. Right. Like when he uh, makes a comment about so, like, oh, who who's even drinking hazelnut creamer? Like and like I kind of yeah. believe that's organic, you know, They're like yeah. it's kind of I buy it a little bit more than I buy him like when he's on stage. Did you see the Obama propaganda episode? Of oh, boy, Canadian I did not. Cigars? I don't know if I could bring myself to <laughs> I, Tanner. I know for a fact no, you wouldn't I, be able to finish I, that. No, <laughs> it's yeah, what so, you would yeah, expect. What's it like? I mean, isn't that the uh, one where he like taps on the window in the Oval Office? Yeah, so there's that one. That's where that image is from. Okay. The only, like, real funny part about it, which, like, obviously is, like, scripted, is, like, they get in the car, and they're, like, driving off the White House lawn to, like, go to the coffee shop. And, you know, the security guard is there, and they're like, "Uh, what are you guys doing? And he's like, oh, we're, you know, comedians in cars getting caught. We're filming a show. It's called this. (laughs) And the security guard goes, you're a comedian in a car with the president going nowhere. Back it up, pal. And it's like... It's actually a pretty funny joke if it wasn't like two people that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Oh man. So how's the president riff? Is he any good? Um, well, I mean, it's like everything that he says you can tell is like so calculated. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it goes from being like, Hey, we're gonna like talk to some light jokes to like, you know, how uh Seinfeld's like, you know, what's it like being president? And then you have a bomb be like, Well, you know, it's like playing a game of chess. And it's like, uh, who fucking cares? <laughs> and I think Tell it was like, at the, at the, yeah, exactly. I think it was like at the end of his presidency. So it was very like, you know, I'm going to try and like maintain some sort of like hit persona and move on. Right. But right. Right. So that, that's him yeah. trying to 
like escalate into his kind of like Richard Branson. Right. The, the, the same time as he's doing like the vice specials. Yeah. Sorry for all the things that I promised that I <laughs> yeah, never got exactly. you, but uh-huh. uh, let me be clear. Jewish Airline food on Air, Air Force One uh, also tastes like shit or whatever. <laughs> I don't have a great Obama. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the riff is good. The, the riff is there. Okay. Thank the, the impression ain't I great. <laughs> I could use a little more constructive, crit- not even criticism. Some, uh, Appreciation. Yeah, yeah, that's better. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got the energy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so, uh, it, it just but when we were kind of preparing for this, I popped on his um his series, sign uh, Jerry before Seinfeld. His net or not series, his Netflix special. Did you ever see that? No, I, didn't I almost. Watched it. So it's the so the premise is like, it, it's it's him kind of going back to to Manhattan and like he does this set at this comedy club in. Like the, the the old part of town he used to you're like he premiered at or whatever and so yeah, yeah. the idea is it's kind of talking about his career like his growing up on Long Island and Massapequa and then like becoming a comedian and basically the ask is for Jerry to be publicly human and <laughs> you don't get it right like it just it isn't there it's it's right. so funny because like he can't even talk about his own life <laughs> right yeah I mean it's just like there's this one part where. Like, he has this big accordion notebook with all of his old notes from the 70s, like, when he would write out his jokes. And he kind of, they're, they're all laid out on this set of, like, Manhattan somewhere. And there's, like, this kind of cutesy, like, ukulele and xylophone, like, kind of insurance commercial backdrop. And he's got little sneakers on and a hooded sweatshirt. And he's, like, rifling through it. And you can just tell, like, again, it's just, like, he wants to peel his own skin off. He just hates it so fucking much. <laughs> he opens it up. It's, like, a thousand pages of all work and no play. It makes <laughs> yeah. Jack a dull boy. <laughs> right. And, like, I mean, more or less, I would imagine. But, like, and so it's also a comedy special. And, and it's just, like, that, you know, there's no crowd work. Or what there is crowd work, actually. And it's just, again, so canned and obviously planted. And. Yeah. But what else, what other thing what other stray observation I had op- apropos of nothing perhaps you know echoing our our last episode on on program to kill was that he got his start in the su- in Manhattan in the summer of seventy six which also again apropos of nothing is when the son of Sam killings happened ah so throwing that out there son of really Seinfeld not saying anything <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well that was also like a recurring thing in Seinfeld there are so many like references to son of Sam. And, like, Newman even has, like, you know, his oh, yeah. mailbag. Right. And then with, like, the Lopper episode where they're, like, you know, talking about how the NYPD was going over what the name. And they were like, well, they were going to say Son of Dad, which is, like, kind of a catch-all. <laughs> but, yeah, there, you could tell there was, like, a fascination with that because yeah. of, you know, him coming up at that point. And, and what George goes, oh, I knew it wasn't Berkowitz. Or yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't remember the context for that one. <laughs> Yeah, Seinfeld's funny. Yeah, that's, the show is great. Like I, I, I. Uh, so like I said, I, I grew up without cable, right? And so you're pretty limited. You could watch King of the Hill right after school on Fox. You could watch the same like a dozen Family Guy episodes that they played over and over again, uh-huh. or you could ask for, you know, a season of Seinfeld on DVD for Christmas, and you could watch those on repeat. And uh-huh. it's funny, like I, I we, for some reason, we never got season four. So we had everything one through nine. Oh, wow. Oh, sure. That was the real breakthrough season. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's true. And like, I could quote, you know, probably everything religiously one through nine, but there's probably entire episodes in four that, like, to this day, I still haven't seen. Uh huh. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Well, it's like weird. Like people will always have blind spots. We're like, I have so many followers that like the moment I bring up like seasons eight and nine, which I think are like fantastic. People are like, oh, that sucks. Like the show fell off on there. David is like, like yeah. no, it just like got different. Yeah, it just got it's, like as way soon as goofier. Elaine changes yeah. her hair, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> this is hard to... Soon as she puts her yeah. feet or shoes back on, I'm out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. Um. But so the uh, I did not grow up with Seinfeld at all. But oh, the thing was, I were you a Mormon or something? I had obviously no. I mean, I had like access to TV and you know all these other things. But somehow, I just like I don't know. I was like busy watching Comedy Central or something rather than <laughs> okay, like tight respect PBS reruns. Um, but the thing was, like, I worked at like a video store when I was sixteen, and at that point, like, I got all the episodes on DVD. Yeah. Um, and I think I did download illegally the finale. The first episode I ever saw of Seinfeld was the finale because oh, wow. my dad was obsessed with John Panette, the guy, the <laughs> fat guy that they robbed. Okay. And we, oh, really? Right, listen to, hey, who yeah, is that? We, we would, he is just like, uh, he is just like a fat comedian. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you asked. I was going to pretend like I knew. All of his jokes are just about being fat and about being hungry and about like buffets. But somehow my dad had like one of his CDs. So like on the days that when I was younger, when I'd spend the night at my dad's house, in the morning on the way to school, we listened to John Panetta every morning. And my dad would always be like, oh, he was on the finale of Seinfeld. Yeah. So at some point I like downloaded it and like watched it. I was like, oh, this is funny, but, like, I don't get the references. Mm -hmm. And then years later, when I finally watched the entire show, not only was I like, oh, this show's, like, really speaking to me in a weird way, but I also realized that so many references and jokes that my dad would, like, throw out my entire life were not his own jokes, and they were from Seinfeld. Oh, (laughs) busted. Things like anti-dentite and, you know, all these other references that, like, Mm. You know, growing up, I was like, oh, my dad's a funny guy. And I was like, no, my dad just watched Seinfeld a lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> At the same time, though, for me, you know, it's like there are so many things in my life where it's like I'll reference something. And if it's like yeah. you don't immediately get that it's Seinfeld, you're like, oh, you know, Big Jerry's real funny. But it's like, well, it's actually just a reference that, I'm, you know. Oh, God. That's yeah. why on first dates, I always ask if they've seen Seinfeld. And if they say no, I'm in. Like, yeah, it's that, just, it's, that helps. <laughs> it's good jokes all night. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I'm that same way with Comptown. <laughs> I used to do that with Mitch Hedberg jokes, you know? If like, because, so, like, chance of like some young lady, you know, knowing a Mitch Hedberg, it's like, I'm going to throw out, you know, right. the uh, Mitch altogether joke, but apply it to my own name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, those, those are good ones. I, um, I was a Simpsons guy growing up. So that's like, my alphabetical knowledge, frankly. And, and, and I, I think I had a similar realization with my father where it was like, oh, wow, you're just mm. doing the, 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 yeah. the prime aged, you know, Simpsons jokes. But which is like great. Every, every you know, kid it's has like, that day with his father, you know, I think. Right. It's, you know, for the next generation, it's going to be kids stealing all the jokes from B movie. Because, <laughs> you know, it's great A comedy <laughs> front to back. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I, I don't think I realized it was B movie, like a B, like the joke B movie. Until like I, I, I don't, I don't know, think they did either. Ago, until yeah. they came out. <laughs> However, it made like twice the money. Yeah, it made like three hundred million dollars. Yeah. That is in spirit, it is a B movie, mm-hmm. but in actuality, it's like you know it did make money. Uh-huh. Yeah, technically, I guess, I guess only because of like Seinfeld's involvement. Right, right, and and that's like so, like I I 
like this is the sort of thing where you know like if you didn't know anything about the production of B movie at least for me I would assume that they just kind of roped him in on a favor or like they said hey buddy your adrenochrome tab is like racking up like you need to you need to do something <laughs> for us and he kind of like very uh, like hesitantly like signed on to star in like an animated feature and I understand that like you know voiceover works probably the easiest shit you can get but like and and I I think when I was reading this and correct me if I'm wrong but like he was the one who came to them and said like I want to do an animated film about like animals or bugs or something like I think that's so that was like so I like I rewatched it like yesterday and I was like half I feel like for half, I had to like keep pausing because I felt like I was like half awake and I had to keep like snapping and be like, all right, like you need to <laughs> a lot of subtle movie there, and you take notes and plot points. Yeah, you're right. going on a you're going on a big important show to do some critical analysis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pay attention. It's a very subtle, you know, refined humor. Yeah. But like the the thing that like kept you know I was like plagued by was like did because I know like Steven Spielberg was like involved in like you know yeah. the funding or like the some shit like that. So it's like all right, I get how like. You know, that could, like, come up. But the biggest, like, quandary is, like, did Seinfeld just have, like, a bunch of fucking B jokes? Like, (laughs) hanging around? I I got, like, we can do an hour and a half of, like, insect jokes. I got a couple mosquito jokes in there. You know, it's like... like, He was booked to headline the Honey Festival in fucking Bratislava somewhere. It got canceled. And he was like, well, shit, all these fucking notebooks. He's like, I I am not wasting these jokes. (laughs) Yeah, these are good fucking jokes. Uh I will say that, like, most of the... Most of the B jokes are like pretty bad, but like yeah. the honestly the mosquito jokes that like Chris Rock does, the one the ones where they're on the windshield mm-hmm. were all good. And then when he hops off to go to like the blood bank and he sees all his friends there, yeah. but then at the end, I guess like uh, you know at the end when he's like he becomes a lawyer because he, he says he's I'm already, already a blood sucker, yeah. <laughs> which, which I guess is like fine to be like that level of anti-Semitic because it's like Seinfeld <laughs> is behind it, so yeah, it's right. like. It's typically like most anti-lawyer humor just comes from like anti-Semitism, which like see, I thought he was going to be like, see, there's two types of honeybees. There's bees and then there's wasps or something like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> another sort of Chris Rock style joke that they kind of again, I, I don't I imagine aren't really considering their target audience of eight year olds. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe I mean, they're impressed well, by that. Because so the thing and, and I've like as somebody who will like probably never have kids, it's like they throw those jokes in there. For either like the you know pe- like the parents that have to take their kids to see these movies, yeah. or the people like us that are like, you know, we're gonna go on this podcast and you know make fun of your movie, <laughs> but like then we watch it and be like, oh shit, they made you know they made that joke. They made right. that uh-huh. Oh, I don't want to take them to task anymore. This was really appealed to my demographic, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly like a rich history of like you know children's movies like throwing in adult jokes knowing that like you yeah. know that that child's dad is sitting in there but like the thing with b movie is like there are no jokes for the kids right yeah right? Like, yeah, and, yeah like jerry seinfeld's comedy like specifically his stand-up comedy is just incredibly unfunny but <laughs> it is like if you're a watch like seinfeld with like a kid who's like young like they're not going to like laugh at it like uh-huh. i remember like maybe Christmas or Thanksgiving sometime. And I have like a mixed group of like cousins and stuff and my older brother throwing it on. And it just realized like, this isn't landing for anybody like <laughs> under the age I thought you were going to say 15. like, Oh, I got this girl in the basement. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's death with this fucking toddler. She up is not playground. laughing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I'm in there just cackling. I try to explain to her that, you know, a deli was a place, you know, you get soup before COVID. Well, that's the thing. I think there, there are so many things that are like so dated. And then of course you have like the young kids like, well, if they just, you know, 
had a cell phone and everything. And was like, yeah, but they don't have a cell phone. Right. Except for, the, like, the last season. There are a few episodes where they have a cell phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. But then, like, the other side of it is, like, you know, and I hate to get all, like, you know, Seinfeld on it, but, like, Let's there is it. some level of, like, modern PC Zoomer culture where, you know, even the episodes that are, like, critiquing, you know, like, insensitive behaviors. Like, the Cigar Store Indian's the biggest example. It's like, that is an episode about what not to do. Right. But, like, kids see that and they're like, this is fucked up. It's like, it's actually, like, a And obviously, Jerry is enjoying himself a lot doing that, too. You know? Like, you can't tell me he doesn't think that shit's fucking hilarious while he's doing it. Yeah. Well, and then also, like, the other aspect of it in, like, you know, my... This goes with a lot of stuff that I like, but... Um, and I'm kind of skewed because, like, at, you know, I try and be, like, a pretty decent human being or whatever, but, like, on the inside, it's like, I, I, I'm, like, a, I think I'm, like, a pretty big piece of shit. So, when I watch Seinfeld, it's, like, there's all these things where it's, like, oh, I absolutely feel that way. Right. And I don't really act on it, or I don't, like, let these, you know, emotions come out because, like, we live in a society but at the same time it's like there's so many times people are like oh these are horrible people like how could everybody think of them it's like you know every Seinfeld episode there's like at least something where it's like oh that's horrible but like I have that thought every day yeah, or like totally. I totally relate to it but it's like it's also like because of that you are able to like move on with your day to day life because it's like oh other people feel that way it's I'm not outlet. like right yeah yeah I'm not a nightmare that's true so you know okay I get it and you can move on <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, I don't have to bring yeah, a gun like, to the mall anymore. <laughs> it's like some people like watch it as like, oh, these horrible people, and it's like, no, they're just like me, or like they're just like mm-hmm. the inside of me that yeah, can't I come see. out. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's the testament to a testament to its success. Is like, I, I it was finally time for like uh, the, the culture in America was such that people were were ready to all identify with that, and and. I, I I mean I I don't think there was that much of a backlash to Seinfeld as like cultural cancer necessarily although I'd imagine there's some yeah. of like glorifying you know being rude or you know running well out the, of thing the, was, the thing was the thing was it's like uh, or whatever George does for the most part it was just like a landmark success even to the point where like they got like glad awards because of the episode that was like we're not gay not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. The bar was just so like, fucking low back then, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, at that point, you know, just acknowledging that, like, yeah, there's gay people, and, like, mm-hmm. that's cool, no big deal. Right. Just acknowledging that, like, that was a thing was, like, As a, wow. Yeah, because you know? it aired, I remember, the same year that Fraser and Niles beat a gay dude to death with sticks. So. <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh... Uh, yes, that landmark episode right. of Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he said Chardonnay. <laughs> Are you gay? <laughs> you like that? <laughs> oh, man. Future, future Frasier episode. <laughs> oh, God, that's right. Tanner and I have watched a lot of fucking Frasier. Yeah, we, we've lived together for a long time, and there was one period in particular. Yeah. Um, we don't live together anymore, but there was a period in particular where we watched uh, endless amounts of Frasier for whatever reason. Right. And and it's, uh, it's a very smart show <laughs> and it's also i like it because you know like with all sitcoms it's like okay we're like seinfeld you get new york and like right. with fraser it's like wow you get seattle it's like wow yeah that's why <laughs> and apparently like and you know we're getting a little off topic here but that's it's one of my favorite facts is that apparently fraser had a very concrete and measurable effect on the downtown like housing market in seattle because people saw it and were like oh that's I go to get a get a cup of coffee and like live in my high rise overlooking the the Puget Sound or whatever and 
and yeah, I yeah, guess yeah, like course. had a, a, a demonstrable impact, which I think is interesting. And you know, for all the fucking good it did it now, I guess. Right. Half owned. Well, I mean, you know, Manhattan was you, used to be really cheap to live in until fucking Seinfeld came out. Yeah. And right. friends came out. <laughs> yeah, and that's like going back to the thing about cell phones. Is I I find there, there there's something so comforting about going back and like existing at a time and a place when you know you weren't just beaten down by modernity and like having to mm-hmm. have an Instagram account and like you could just walk to the ATM and bump into a, a high school sweetheart or and lie to her your socialization was the city right you know, yeah it wasn't I mean, it's, and I understand it's very romanticized like portrayal of it although i think they do kind of you know go out of their way to make it seem like a hellhole but like to, yeah. <laughs> to somebody like me who I, you know i i've lived in chicago for a decade i love it here i love living in the city and i, I really kind of yeah. have genuinely had difficulty mourning with or coping with the loss of urban life after and during covid and so you watch seinfeld and i i really do there is something that is very comforting and and, and wistful and almost nostalgic for you know as they say, the world you were born into that no longer exists because I was born in 93 and that's kind of was the apex of Seinfeld. And and I just, I just, you know, like people say that a lot about drama and, and just narrative and fiction about like how much more difficult it is to write things now that cell phones exist. And we live in an era of just instant snap communication. Um, And so, I don't know. I think it's just very exciting to go back and, and live in a world where that's not, the case i mean fuck even the fucking bees had little cell phones in their antenna you know what i mean it was depressing all right so did you two see b movie when it came out i did not see it in the theaters but no okay so no i didn't see it when it came out i i saw it drunk on the couch with our friend jack like five years ago (laughs) so i i probably would have remembered as much and had just as much of an influence no i saw it for the first time two days ago actually the first time i saw it i was 16 years old and the reason I remember nice. this is because I was 16 years old and I was dating this 19-year-old. And uh, Hell yeah, she was like out of her <laughs> fucking mind. But we went to see a movie that was like sold out. And like the only other thing that was showing was B-movie. And this was like before I even liked Seinfeld. But I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let's go see B-movie. And like, that's it. That's all I really remember. Is I remember I saw B-movie <laughs> in the theater. And it was just kind of like, all yeah, right, you know, here's a kid's movie. Because Whatever. It, it, there's no, absolutely nothing that would make even a semblance of an impact on, on like any part of any like soft, loamy emotional soil in your brain. Right. It's for just, a 16 year old, there is nothing for you in that movie. Right. There's nothing for a 16 year old. <laughs> yeah. Specifically a 16 year old. Yeah. I was like, I think I may have been vegan at the time. So it's like I didn't eat they honey. Didn't even eat honey. Vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, a couple years later, I like totally ruled out honey. Uh-huh. Maybe, but also, you know, maybe that was because I saw the movie. Yeah. Well, but I like mean, even like that was like one of the very con- the movie is so disjointed in so many ways. But like, the, yeah. you know, it's like at first it's like, should you eat honey? Should you not? And then the other like biggest thing that I was like thinking about watching, it was like. Because at first you're like, oh, it's a critique on capitalism because it's like, you know, you're born and you work until you die. And like, right. that's your whole existence. Right. And it kind of has that like <laughs> neoliberal, like anti-communist where it's like, well, everybody's the same under communism and you're trying uh, to be different. But then right. at the end, it's like, 
Well, they just continue making the honey for the humans anyway because, like, that's their only purpose they're, they in life. Because they get lazy and right. complacent if they're not. And I see Taylor yeah. pulling his notebook out of here. <laughs> so let's fucking yeah, go. Yeah, no, the, I, <laughs> most of my notes are about how the, the themes in this movie are, like, all over the place and so yeah. disjointed. And I was telling Rick earlier. There's not a single, like, one, you know, ongoing message or, like, crux of the movie where it's like, this is what it's trying to tell you. Yeah. Right. And typically, you know, with, uh, you know, whether it's DreamWorks or Disney, you have one, like, soft, unoffensive moral that you build, like, fun around. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And this movie, like, swings wildly for the fences at, like, multiple <laughs> different things, and all of them contradict with one another. Mm -hmm. You know, right away, the, the first thing, right away on the screen, it's, uh, there's the quote about how humans think that you know, the, the idea that bees shouldn't be able to fly. Like, logically, right. it doesn't make sense. Science, yeah. But, you know, bees don't care what humans think. And so you think it's going to be like a story about the bee. Okay, maybe it's about, uh, like, bee scarcity, right? And how, like, this is, you know, not just a bee movie, but it's, it's you know, a movie trying to, like, uh, bring awareness to... Uh, what was that movie with Matt Damon where the, bee, the bees died? Um, the Happening? The Happening. Never mind. Yeah, yes, I, I, you know what? That was Mark Wahlberg. Mark, yes, <laughs> it was also Mark Wahlberg. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, yes, it is one hundred percent Mark Wahlberg. There's also like a documentary that I've never seen it, but I know it because Stars of the Lid did the soundtrack, or like one of the dudes. But it's like a documentary about like bees can't die because you know basically that like the very brief part of the ending of B movie where you know they're like oh they quit we quit making honey so there's no pollen so like everything's gray. It's like yeah, but then they just kind of brush over that as like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's not the end of the world. It's just inconvenient right. for humans. Mm -hmm. Well, once the movie gets going, then it, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, it's this critique of like the like mega corporation. All of these guys are just going and working themselves to death, and it's a uh, you know Jerry's supposed to be this like symbol of like I don't know I guess the individual finding themselves well, he, right he is the the meritocratic cream rising to the top above all like everybody else is allowed and encouraged to be a drone yes they're get, you know yeah. they, they have no business doing anything other than working all day because that's what he's like you know, the fully self-actualized version of yes. you know like the under like a capitalist neoliberal system he's the one that found his grind set yeah was similarly to, to how jerry it, it, seinfeld like yeah. rose to the top and became a millionaire through his own just deservedness. Anyway, you were saying, but yeah, there, there's that. And you know, you, you think it's, it's funny how this, you know, they, there's a couple of jokes about how like Hexon is a subsidiary of like Hexacorp, you know, part of the beehive. Yeah. And, but then that they are being siphoned by um, like real world corporations taking their honey Right? other hives like right. hives other hives hunron and uh honeywell or whatever um which like also you know a, a joke that no child would ever understand <laughs> right. right yeah like, you're tossing an enron joke once, once that gets taken away it's like the, the the movie is like critical of the fact that the bees don't know what to do with their free time and yeah. it seems to be saying that like it's good that they're working yeah, right. right. And the way that they're working in this movie is they're literally like they're saying working themselves to death throughout their entire yeah, life. Basically. And so the, the the movie ends up flipping its theme back on its head and saying like, "No, actually this is good. The people <laughs> need the honey and this is okay. Jerry doesn't count though. He doesn't need to work. He's, you know, right. Barry the Bee is fine." Right. Um it's very very confused. 
Yeah. I mean, um, I, and I think similarly to how his Jerry Seinfeld, the person's head works. Like, yeah, he doesn't give a shit. He's trying to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks because he's very political. Also, it's like, you know, he's so rich that like, right. yeah, your concept of like work mm-hmm. or anything like that is like so fucking skewed. Uh-huh. And I guess that's how it is in the movie, too, because like I, there is a part when you're like, you know, when they the line is like, you know, maybe this society works like too well. And for a moment, yeah. it's like, you know, it's one of like a communist utopia where it's like, hey, everybody works hard, but it's like for a greater good. And like because of that, you know, idealistically, it's like everything's perfect. Right. And it might get yeah. boring because everything is so perfect. But at the end of the day, it's like everybody's taken care of. Everybody pitches in. Mm-hmm. Everybody has some sort of purpose. So, like, you know, then they tell you about, like, all of these, you know, beehives on the outside that are owned by the megacorps. But, like, even within their, like, perfect society, they're still, like, owned by a conglomerate within the hive. <laughs> right. right. So it's still, like... Well, yeah, in, their, in Jerry Seinfeld's perfect bee society, there are no consequences other than what is serves as a punchline, really. It's like, he doesn't yeah. give a shit about the implications for these fucking bees. It's like, oh, this is this is funny, and it'll maybe, like you know, distract the fucking parents who were also trying not to kill themselves, I would imagine, and uh-huh. I don't know why they brought their kids to this ugly-ass <laughs> fucking hideous movie that they're not even going to like. It's it's really funny, like, because in order to, like, fit the ridiculous narrative, like, how they make the beekeepers, like, yeah, g- good a, a good job. Right? <laughs> they're trying to keep bees, how they have to make them, like, cartoonishly evil. Uh-huh. Like, the beekeepers are so funny. Like, I think one of them, at some point, he says something like, the bees are so stupid, their brain's the size of a pin. And the other one's like, they are pinheads. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> just the started... beekeepers are just mean. <laughs> <They're> just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I guess these people are just not scientifically interested like, in bees they're or literally conservationally like... oriented. They just hate bees so fucking much that they're going to surround themselves with bees every right. single day of their lives. They're rubbing their hands together as they're taking the honey. Like, it's so oh, funny. Man, that is so good. <laughs> well, and then also, like, the, um, you know, like, the way they, you know, the caricatures of, like, the evil CEOs are, like, pretty on point. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. If you're trying to, like, do, you know, the capitalist fat cat, just, like, some fat lion piece of shit lawyer uh-huh. and, like, you know, his, like, CEO buddies that will, like, will do whatever it takes to keep making, you know, obscene amounts of money. Right. But... Like they lose the case, but they never really get their comeuppance, and it's never really just kind of like oh they they lost and you know oh, they seemingly start back up again once the bees yeah. decide it's good for them to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like you gotta assume they're starting back up again, right? I, I mean, I, I yeah. They, 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 it doesn't really seem interested in that question where John Goodman's fucking like big stung ass goes. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Well, also that's the thing about like the movie. It's like the first part you know, takes place in the hive. And then the moment like Barry flies away, it's like the hive is mostly forgotten about. And it pretty much yeah. only takes place in like the courtroom and in like Vanessa's apartment with like Patrick Warburton mm-hmm. just being like an idiot for like some weird reason. <laughs> right. And then at some point he just leaves. Well, they had to save on studio space. There wasn't a whole lot of locations they had to, they had to pare <laughs> down. <laughs> That's true. No, I mean, it's, they, they really are kind of searching for a reason to justify jerry getting out of the hive and i think they realized like okay we tried to make this kind of horny and renee zellweger ish but like he can't have sex with her he's a bee <laughs> so there's no yeah. apex here like we can't have it be a romantic thing because he, she's a woman and he's a bee right, right. so like it it, it felt he to can me have like, a sex fantasy dream about her right yeah exactly but, but and they can it. do some kind of weird like graduate they lose about you know it's like you, and you kiss her like <laughs> 
<laughs> However, there is, uh, you know, with uh, the content on, you know, the Instagram page that I post is like, I usually, you know, it's like shit that's like grotesquely sexual. Usually it's like I, I, ste I steer away from it. But one time I did post like a series of like Rule 34 images of like <laughs> Barry and Vanessa like engaged in, you know, I, I sent one to Rick Tanner might have <laughs> sent me one of those yesterday. <laughs> I sent one to Rick when I was done watching it. You should show it to him. Yeah, it yeah. He's going to pull it up. Like for real. But like, no, I mean, I, there, there's something about that like, that DreamWorks thickness, you know what I mean? <laughs> that really. No, that's the thing. Like there were elements, there were moments in that movie where it's just like, all right, Vanessa. Like one, you're kind of like hot and like two. Yeah, so would it. Was like, you know, you're very caring and like you know you're in touch. Here's, with, here's the know, one I sent Rick. Can you see that? <laughs> yes. It says "Be Cocky" movie. Be cocky. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like that shit. I mean, like the, the fact that one person <laughs> sat down and just hammered that out. It's like. Yeah. Right. If somehow that person who made Be Cocky image is listening to this podcast right now, thank you. <laughs> that person, I guarantee you, makes sixty thousand dollars a month on Patreon. Doing that shit, I'm sure. Right. That is one of eight posts they put on Divine Art that day. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the hentai porn market allegedly right is like <laughs> you can pay off your student debt like that. Yeah. Saturated though, maybe there's a lot of hard work in uh, artists out there who who deserve the business, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also allegedly. But yeah, there there is a a sort of subdued horniness to it. Like I was telling Rick that a lot of the movie is just like an animated The Graduate. Yeah, he pointed that out to me, and yeah. I, that flew right. You know, and there's even a, a direct reference to The Graduate in that pool scene where he's like out there daydreaming, and like they're even stealing like direct shots from it. Mm -hmm. And it's right after that that he has this little sex dream about oh, that's, that's Renee magic, Zellweger. Right? undergraduate no <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> another kind of like reference side note is that there are i think i could be wrong but there are more references to the graduate in seinfeld than like any other movie oh really really like recurring small references of just like you know oh this scene happens to look like the graduate or like this plot line is like loosely based or like Mm -hmm. This, uh, you know, reference vocally in one line is like an offshoot of like something that happened in The Graduate. So oh, yeah. there's also like Seinfeld also has an obsession with like The Graduate and Dustin Hoffman. Remember that scene where Jerry's like, oh, Frank, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> George's dad is in his underpants. No, Jerry met uh, what's her name? Shoshana after Dustin Hoffman dumped her when she turned 16. Really? Yeah. No. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh. that's what I heard. It's, it's a joke about Dustin Hoffman having a favorite seat on the Lolita Express. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he, yeah, he fucked around a lot too, right? Like I on set, apparently he was a monster. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I just remember hearing that somewhere. Also, uh, one so one thing that like also on, Rain Man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that like, separates me from other uh, Seinfeld accounts, I guess, is because like. I do go out of my way to like talk shit on Seinfeld as a human being, and also like right. bring up the Shoshana stuff. Um, the thing about that is like there are a lot of like Seinfeld personalities that are kind of like roped into like the Seinfeld Instagram universe. The yeah. biggest one being like Jonathan Wolf, who did the music, who like follows okay. every Seinfeld account and occasionally comments on my shit, but he will never follow me back. Oh, and I, weird. I believe it's because it's like I'm talking shit on like your bread and butter, right? And yeah. then there's also like a few other people that like, used to work on set that have like their own Instagram of like backstage photos and like things like that that will never follow me because like one, I'm talking shit on Seinfeld and like generally just making fun of everything, yeah. And then also like the 
you know, extremist politics or, you know, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> scare some yeah. of those people away even though it's like those things I'm, I'm having a fucking laugh over here right right yeah we um we're not expecting a vincent gallo follow anytime soon i think no. like <laughs> no. any tales out of school however the, the fact that like you know also one of the things we we're talking about earlier with, like vincent gallo you know it's like people are like oh he's a fascist it's like well he's um he's more so a liar you know, right, yeah, right. he's just an asshole, really. You know, and they're... and then on the other end, it's like, listen, he can be as mean as he wants to. Like, he hasn't responded to my DMs on several yeah, occasions. So he's in my book. Yeah, he is <laughs> profoundly available if you ask him the right question. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's so interesting. So we we finally changed our our name on Instagram, mm. and we lost probably more followers than we ever have. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. No idea what, what that is about. Well, I think some people just don't like the bait and switch. They think that they've been robbed of something. Yeah. Like, we pulled a fast or, one on or them. People like think that they're like, Oh, who is this? What's this account I'm following? I'm not following this anymore. Oh, so it's not Vincent. Well, Gallo. And when the avatar is a fucking, uh, Brown or a uh, Buffalo 66, Wojak, you'd think that wouldn't be a hard <laughs> mental dot to connect. But right. Yeah. Again, maybe yeah, I'm giving yeah. too much credit to our followers. That happens a lot. Well, yeah. you know, here's the thing. You're giving too much credit to your old followers. Hey, they're gone. There you, there you go. go. That's right. Now the ones that are still there, fucking shout out to you. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that matter. You're on this, yep. you're on this sinking ship. You know, we're, we're all going down together. <laughs> Good luck. The Vince Intellectuals username is available, so fucking feel free. Yeah. Um, um, but also, so like, you know, I'm sure you had this, and obviously it's like, you know, we'll get back to all the B-movie shit in a minute, but I think that the... Uh, this goes for any meme page, but like the Vincent, you know, Gallo stuff, it's like you can only make the same Buffalo 66 jokes so many times. And I think <laughs> right, you right. two have like and we been have. very good at evolving the format. We're not above even turning to that well, it. but yeah, <laughs> after a certain point, you kind but of maybe, really just making fun of other movies and shit, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. But with Seinfeld, it's like that too, where it's like I can obviously incorporate any reference to like anything because Seinfeld allows that because it's so broad. Yeah, but at this point, it's like I used to post like every day. I used to make my own like memes, multiple every day, and like over the past like year, especially with like the you know proliferation of Seinfeld being like on Netflix now, where it's like everybody sees it, and there's like yeah, the fandom is just like kind of like popping off more than like it ever has since its original run. Yeah, it's kind of like made me be like, you know, fuck. Fuck Seinfeld. And like, fuck these Seinfeld memes. Which, like, I still do and I still enjoy. Right. But it's, like, usually, like, once a month, I'll have, like, one week where I have, like, some really creative ideas for, like, the Seinfeld page that I'll, like, pop out. Otherwise, I feel like lately I'm just kind of, like, mailing it in and, like, Mm -hmm. doing whatever I want. In, like, a funny way, but, like... Right, put Joker on stage. (laughs) with the Seinfeld pie (laughs) yeah like like you said it it kind of it's has it's been it went on for so long and 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 touched so many parts of culture that there there isn't really a a aspect of American culture that existed in its before or during its run that like doesn't somehow fall under that umbrella you know what I mean yeah Um, so when also it's like you know you gain enough followers or something I guess I have to keep going you know it's like there's like sixteen thousand people that you know at least somewhat rely on me for Seinfeld memes. So it's like, all right, I guess like that's the curse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, at least one like of those is unhinged I... enough to do something drastic to stop. So yeah, yeah exactly. you know, you owe it to society to keep going. Um, 
Just realized we went out of focus after I put the beacocky photo close to the camera. Yeah, get the work <laughs> so wait, why if you hold your your hand up, is that going to help? Well, Should ideally, we move back ideally it was like it, it would follow focus from yeah. your hand. You know, the oh, idea that, that like it's, it's going to follow focus, yeah. but then it stops. Huh. Also, we both kind of have, or all three of us, I guess, we have this similar lighting going on right now. Yeah, I, I which threw you, it on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, For the listeners at home, it doesn't really do much, but... Uh, you know, it's very vibey. Yeah, they're missing out. But, yeah, yeah, we it's, gotta have the vibes. Gotta, I, I wish I had a nice glass of wine like you did. That, that was a, that was a right movie. Oh yeah, you have I, uh, do I really? Yeah, that you left here on New Year's. Oh, all right, riff something out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. Rick's gonna go grab brisky. That is the thing that, like, you know, this is a, uh, I the third podcast I've done in my life, but the second podcast with the meme pages, and uh, I gotta have some libation to loosen me up. Yeah, like I'm. I have to like talk to people in person all day at work every day. So it's like, I am charismatic enough where it's like, I can just talk somewhat extemporaneously, you know, ad nauseum. But at the same time, it's like, I need to loosen up with some, some wine or something. So what was the other one you did? So it was for the, uh, Pamu podcast philosophy, something, something, something. (laughs) It's available on the internet. It was mostly just like an interview, but, um, you know. You did it as fake Jerry? No, I did it as uh, something that I can't legally talk about right now. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just uh, referring to the cease and desist? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all tied. Everything's tied into that right now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm still still allowed to post memes, but, um, like, I, you know, I have a lawyer right now, and um, basically... You know, I can't really say much about this like lawsuit that's going on right now. Sorry, one because second. where is it? Wait, it should be in the back of the pantry. Oh, 